You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. D.L. Moody was a great man of God and a wonderful preacher who was used mightily of God, let's say about 150, 125 years ago. And D.L. Moody was vacationing by the Syrian Sea with his wife when an old man came up to him, amazed him, and really shocked him by saying to Moody, the old man said this to Moody, he said, young man, honor the Holy Spirit or thou shalt break down. Now, can you imagine you're on vacation, you're working hard, you're there with your wife, you're sitting by the sea and some some older man comes up and says to you out of nowhere, you don't know him, young man, honor thy Holy Spirit or thou shalt break down. Now Moody, understandably, he was caught off guard. And he would later admit that when he first heard this man say this to him, who he did not know, he was, his first reaction was um, anger. Who are you? Um, how dare you? Why are you saying this to me? But then later on he admitted, as the Holy Spirit tends to do and quickens us as we hear something, as we're confronted with truth, that Moody admitted the man was right and he became troubled in his spirit. And then it wasn't too long after this, he testified with the following. He said, I prayed there until a night came when the third heaven found me. And since then, my soul has known the mystery of Moses' burning bush, which burned with fire, but was not consumed. Now, that's a beautiful reference that Moody is making to the reality of the power of God's Holy Spirit working in him in his life. The Holy Spirit of God within D.L. Moody allowing him to spend himself and yet to continue to find strength and to be kept in the ministry and to be fruitful and empowered by the only one who could make it so, the Holy Spirit of God. What D.L. Moody was forced to admit and be humbled in that very moment was this, that he would not last and could not bear fruit and could not grow in Jesus Christ apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. I'm particularly blessed by what the older man said to him. Honor the Holy Spirit, or you shall break down. So right, so true. Listen, so for you and me today. In fact, that phrase sets up the entire message that we're about to go through right now. And here is our sermon title for this weekend. It's this, the Holy Spirit and sanctification. The Holy Spirit in the process of growing more and more like Jesus Christ to discover the role of God's Spirit as we seek to be conformed into the image of Christ to look more and more like Him each day. And some of us are not sure what sanctification means. Sanctification is a wonderful theological term that essentially means to make holy. As we are sanctified, as the process of sanctification falls upon our lives by God's Spirit, and I want to add, by our cooperation as well, we find ourselves looking more and more like Jesus Christ. Sanctification is to become holy, but it is impossible apart from the Holy Spirit of God. 
please understand this. We can be moralists without the Holy Spirit. We can play religion apart from the Holy Spirit. We can find ourselves just like the Pharisees and trying in our own effort to do what is right. But in the end, we will only see true Christ-like transformation by the Holy Spirit of God. Again, sanctification does involve us. We are a part of that process of transformation, but it cannot happen just by us. It must include 100% the Holy Spirit of God. Now, here's what I know what's in this room right now, because it's this way every week in some measure, in some people, in some way. In this room right now, there's frustration. In this room right now, there's discouragement. In this room right now, there's weakness in abundance. In this room right now, there's failure. There's been some tremendous failure even the past few days. In this room right now, there's doubt. In this room right now, there's a lack of spiritual strength, a lack of true spiritual fruitfulness. And I wonder, I wonder in some ways and in many ways how beautiful could it be that so many of us need an older man to come up beside us and to say to us, young man, young woman, not so young man, not so young woman, honor thy Holy Spirit or you shall break down. The reason so many professed Christians have broken down is because they have attempted to live the Christian life apart from the one who is their help, comforter, counselor, strength, the one who possesses all strength to allow them to live this life in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what we seek to do together right now, and I pray, I pray you like me have a little more excitement maybe than even when you walked in this room with, because you know how much you need him, or you're starting to understand how much you know you need him. So, the Holy Spirit wants to show us how much we need him. What's the number one thing the Holy Spirit uses to show us that? Anyone? The Bible, yes. And the Bible is also called what? The sword of? That phrase has taken so much new meaning for me during this series. Anyone else? Anyone else? The sword, just me, just me? Oh, oh, darn it. The sword of the Spirit. Who's got one? Who's got one? Let's open it. Let's open it. The sword of the Spirit, and let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Listen to this. The sword of the Spirit, who is the Spirit of truth, desires to take God's Word, which the Holy Spirit inspired, and now wants to illumine our minds and hearts to understand the truth that we might be changed into the image of Jesus Christ. Don't ever let this become routine. We are holding the sword of the Spirit of God. Awesome. Awesome. It's different than the shield of faith. It's different than the breastplate of righteousness. It's the weapon of choice by the Holy Spirit of God, who is, of course, the Spirit of truth. Romans 8, verse 13. This is going to be our home base in terms of the Holy Spirit and sanctification, but we will branch off into other verses, specifically in Romans as well. Romans 8, verse 13. Paul says, For if you live according to the flesh, 
you will die. But, everybody say but. That's a, that's, a, that's a good but in the Bible right here, all right? And it's a very, very important word as well. But, Paul says, if, notice, notice, make every word count. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will, tell me, live, live. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. I mean, that right there is a word for some here right now. You have been living entirely by the flesh, and the Word of God comes to your mind and your heart right now by the Holy Spirit of God, who's the Spirit of truth, and He says to you, if you keep living by the flesh, if you keep living in your sin, that only equals death. It's the hard news of the good news. You'll never win with sin, ever. Sin always, always equals separation from God. It equals death. But here comes the good news in verse 13. But if by the Spirit, and I pray even right now, whoever's here to hear this part, even before the sermon really begins in many ways, how much your life could be transformed by the truth of God, delivered by the Spirit of God, through the Word of God into your heart right now as you become a child of God. But if by the Spirit, by the Spirit, not by religion, not by morality, not by trying harder, not by good works, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, which of course is sin, here's where life is found. You will live. I just want to pray before we go any further. Holy Spirit of God, would you bring life now? Holy Spirit of God, would you renew our minds right now? Holy Spirit of God, would you teach as only you can teach? Holy Spirit of God, would you take weakness and turn it into strength? Would you take discouragement and bring it into massive encouragement? Would you take death even now and turn it into life? Holy Spirit of God, where there's so much misery, would you create joy? Because you are life and peace. You are joy. You are the one who points us to Jesus Christ. God, I pray this one verse, even now, would be seen in a way it's never been seen before to produce such transformation in the hearts of lives of those gathered here right now. Oh, may it be so. Oh, may it be so. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Notice, first of all, from this one verse, think you can get a sermon out of one verse? The answer is yes, because John Owen wrote a whole book on this one verse. Hundreds of pages he wrote on this one verse, which, by the way, I owe a lot to him, the wonderful scholar, theologian, pastor who lived several hundred years ago. I owe a lot to John Owen in this message. Make no apologies for that whatsoever. Leaning on those who have gone before us. We're going to see one sermon from this one verse. We're learning about the Holy Spirit and sanctification. Here's the first thing we see from this verse. Point number one is this, okay? My calling is to kill the flesh. My calling as a believer in Jesus Christ is to kill the flesh. And this is the point of verse 13. It sets up a very sobering statement. Verse 13 begins with, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. The point that Paul's repeatedly making here in Romans 8 is this. To live according to the flesh is certain death. 
but for the person to live and walk in the flesh, if that person's living and walking in the flesh, what this means is, Romans 8 tells us this over and over again, it means they are not walking according to the Spirit of God. And to not have the Spirit of God within you means you don't have life within you. Because true life is only found in the Holy Spirit of God who produces life through causing us to be born again that we might be regenerated, become children of God. Only He can create new life within us causing us to become literally new creations. But Paul throughout Romans is writing to believers. And so in verse 13, when he says, to live according to the flesh, you will die, it might appear that he's suggesting that some could lose their salvation. If I live according to the flesh right now, does that mean I'm going to die? Does that mean I'm going to lose my salvation in Jesus Christ? Absolutely not. We don't believe the Bible teaches that for a second. Let me be crystal clear. You cannot be truly saved and then go backwards and somehow lose your salvation. Once saved, always saved. Eternal security is massive to the Lord Jesus Christ, massive to the New Testament, massive to the whole Bible. It should be massive to us as well. Are you genuinely saved in Jesus Christ? You take wonderful comfort at the Holy Spirit who's within you, as we read today, is our guarantee, the guarantee of what is to come. I am saved in Him. So what's happening here then? What is happening here in the first part of Romans 8, verse 13? We're learning this. The Holy Spirit is everything. He means here that a person who continually lives their life in the pattern of the flesh... That is a very bad sign because the genuine believer has the genuine spirit of God and where the Holy Spirit is, loved ones, listen, where the Holy Spirit is, change, change will also come. Life will also be found. Fruit must be seen. This is why we say around here a lot, I think it may have been said a couple weeks ago, but I'm okay with believers in Christ having bad days. I'm okay with believers in Christ having bad months, and sometimes it's a real bad season, could be a bad year or whatever. But as we said around here a lot, when it comes down to I've had a bad decade, and there's been no fruit in my life for a decade or whatever, that's an indication that something's off. That's an indication that the fruit that must be seen from those who are truly walking in the Spirit of God, that life is found in them, that means we need to check and really, really have a good conversation with ourselves before the Lord to say, who am I, where am I, how am I? But what Paul does here, he uses this warning to now set up this great command. He says this, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, living by the flesh, our sin, equals death. Living by the Spirit equals life. And because all true believers possess the Spirit of God, they also hold within, listen, listen, listen. Because all true believers hold the Spirit of God, what they also hold within them is the power then to defeat the flesh. Again, this is the heart of this verse. Put to death the deeds of the body. Now notice, the body itself is not sinful. It's when the body is used to promote sin. As Paul says even in Romans 
chapter 6. My Bible has Romans 6, 7, and 8 opened all on the same page. It is packed with theological beauty, glory, and truth. If you look at Romans 6, verse 12, oh, some of you had to turn, huh? That's all right. That's all right. One page, right? One page. Paul says this, Romans 6, 12. We're learning theology here right now, loved ones, and this is powerful, powerful theology. Romans 6, 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. See, when, when Paul talks about the deeds of the body, he's talking about our sin, of course. I want to make sure that's totally clear. Verse 13. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. See what's happening all through this wonderful call of sanctification for the believer in Jesus Christ, specifically in Romans 6, 7, and 8. The call of a believer, the duty of the believer, the war cry of the believer is the pursuit of sanctification by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So what what are we learning right now? Okay, this is really, really important. What are we learning as those who call ourselves Christ followers? We're learning this. It's unacceptable to receive fire insurance and do nothing. Make sense? No? It's unacceptable to just say, I accept Jesus Christ. I'm saved from hell. Now I sit here and live my life any way I want to. That's not the true believer in Jesus Christ. You can't just take the fire insurance and then go live like the devil. That, that's, that's, that's not real life change. That's not real salvation. It's unacceptable to receive salvation and sit still. It's unacceptable, better yet this, it's impossible for the genuine believer not to take heed to the command to by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body. Loved ones, we're learning this. In Romans 8 verse 13, we are called to kill the flesh. This is our call. This is our obligation. This is the battle we must prepare for and we must fight. Let me just unpack some basic but beautiful theology on the screen for you here. Now, I love teaching you theology. It's not massively complicated, but the reason I love teaching you theology is because when you understand these things, your mind is renewed, your worship is stirred, you can take God's word, you understand what it's saying to a greater degree, how the Lord uses this to grow us in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God adores this because it points us more to Jesus Christ all the time. So I really hope you're starting to appreciate as much as I am this. And what is this? Here's what we're learning. If I'm regenerated by the Holy Spirit, John 3, two weeks ago, that guarantees you don't get regenerated and then take a spiritual time out for 60 years and then die. Impossible. Impossible. Theologically, what must happen? When I'm regenerated by the Holy Spirit, conversion must follow. At some point, as I'm made a new creation, I turn from my sin and repentance, and I receive by faith the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of my sins, and I live for Him as Lord as He becomes my Savior. Conversion, faith and repentance. Where there's regeneration, there has to be conversion. Where there's conversion, there has to be justification. Justification, these things happen instantaneously. They happen, we don't fully understand how these all happen chronologically, but we know how they happen logically. 
Justification is when God the judge sees Christ in me now instead of my sin. He sees the righteousness. He slams down the gavel and says, innocent. You are innocent. Before Christ, guilty. With Christ, innocent. You are free. You will live forever. The penalty of sin is now removed. Where there's regeneration, conversion must follow. Justification must happen. Now, here's the thing. When you are justified, there is no choice, no option, theologically speaking, biblically all over the place. When justification occurs, sanctification also must follow. There has to be the process. There's so many people sitting in this nation in church, and they believe they're justified by whatever reason they have, but there's no sanctification. That's theologically impossible for someone who's truly regenerated. When the Holy Spirit begins his work, it's carrying on. If we continued this process, glorification would be under that. And glorification, who's excited for glorification? Amen. You know what it is. That's awesome. Glorification is the day when we are made perfect and the very presence of sin is gone once and for all. And there we are with Jesus Christ face to face and no more sin and no more sadness and no more evil and no more wickedness in our hearts and no more. If I keep going, I'll get too excited. So we'll stop right there. All right. But listen, listen, the whole point is this. Philippians 1 verse 6. I am sure of this, Paul says, that he who began a good work in you will complete it at the day of Christ Jesus. That's a great spot for an amen, okay? This is what we're learning, right? If I'm alive in Jesus Christ, the process of change must... No, no, no. For all of us, the process of change is some are are fired up and growing like crazy. Some are struggling a little bit, and that's okay. We're all different. We're all in different places, but at the end of the day, there must be an indication that the fruit of God's Spirit is being seen in me because I am being transformed little by little and yet with beautiful, glorious strides by the Spirit of God that was in me. My life is looking different each day. Now, let's make sure we understand the battle that we are in. Let's make sure we understand our opponent Look at what 1 Peter chapter 2 says. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, notice, to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Just another way of really saying what's happening in Romans 8 verse 13. Notice, which wage war against your soul. Now that's a big deal. We're learning here, loved ones. When we're going in this life, the Christian life, it's, 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 it's not a game. What is it? What is it? It's, it's a war. We are at war with the passions of our flesh. The passions of our flesh seek to kill us, seek to destroy us, seek to ruin us, seek to discourage us, decimate us. It's one of the first steps in understanding what's really happening is you, we got to wake up together and realize, man, this, the battle's on. And we're at war against our flesh. Some might be asking right now, well, what is the flesh exactly? What is the body exactly? Simply put, it's our sinful nature. It's the corruption within us. It's our depravity that hates everything good. But some might be asking right now, well, the sinful flesh, but wasn't that flesh dealt with at our conversion or salvation or 
regeneration? Wasn't that flesh dealt with at the cross of Jesus Christ when we were justified before him? That is a very great question. Let's learn together. At the moment we are born again, And justification occurs in our lives, conversion, justification. The penalty of sin is forever gone. But listen, listen. But at that point, the battle over the power of sin begins. The penalty of sin is forever erased when we are justified. But at that moment then, the battle over the power of sin begins in our lives. This is so amazing. Like, I talk to people about myself. Life before Christ, in some ways, seems so easy. Anyone agree with that? I talk to people all the time. Man, before Christ, I kind of went with my life. I was doing this and that. I never really thought about much going on. All of a sudden, I get saved in Jesus Christ. I'm totally different. And then all of a sudden, I'm aware of all this stuff going on around me and the, and the realities of the evil of my heart and the temptation to sin. And it's like, man, I had no clue. What, what, what is that? It's this. It's you are a new creation that has now become aware of the spiritual reality of life. And you are at war with the passions of your flesh, seeking to win that for the glory of God. So, again, let me just retrace that a little bit to get more people with us right now. Although our legal standing before God is declared innocent, justification, we still have a sinful nature that fights against us. Look on the screen here. Here's some more theology. Love it. Okay? Now, now, I've taught this. I want to teach this once a year, every year. And I hope I do it that much at least. If you know this right now, wonderful. Teach it to someone else this week. Promise? Okay, you promised. All right? Why teach it? We learn it. There's someone you need to... I pulled this out with my son today. We're driving in the car early in the morning. And I had it... He slides on my phone. I said, look at this. I said, can you explain this to me? And we talked through it together. It took a couple of minutes. It was really, really productive... It was, I'm just like, son, if you, can, if, if you can walk through this and understand it, and I had to help him out a little bit, of course, and stuff like that. I'm like, you're ahead of so many people in the Christian life. <laughs> like, so so, so what, what's happening here? Notice the three aspects, there's, there's others, but the three main aspects of our salvation, right? Past, present, future. Justification, glorification, or sanctification, glorification, okay? Notice the three tenses of our salvation. In the past, justification, I have been saved in the past, Present tense, we are being saved. The process of becoming more like Jesus Christ. Future, we shall be saved, which we just talked about, glorification. We're fired up about that. We can't wait to see that day. So notice this, as the past, present, future relates to the reality of sin. We have been saved from what? The penalty of sin, once and for all. The, the instantaneous legal uh, um, innocence declared upon us, as we said, Okay? One time act. But now we are being saved from the power of sin, becoming more like Jesus Christ. That's our battle right now. That's the heart of this series, heart of this message. But we shall be saved from the presence of sin. Three Ps are very helpful. If, if, if you can explain this, that is very, very good. Take it. It'll be online for you this week if you want it. Teach it to someone. Um, let yourself learn this because this is so powerful and so beautiful to understand what the Bible is teaching in so many different places. I'd love right now to take a survey 
and to know precisely how many people get it and how many people don't. And I'd just be so curious. But the more we grow together and get the theology in our lives and the understanding comes and the Spirit of God uses that and the passions of our life grow, it's awesome. This is the battle that we are in. So let's learn more about this battle. Look at Romans chapter 7, verse 17. This should be a familiar passage. This is Paul speaking of his struggle with his sinful nature. So now we're talking again about sanctification. Romans 7, verse 17. Paul says, So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Anyone testify to that here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, this is our life, isn't it? You're just like, man, I relate with this so much, right? This is the, this is the greatest battle of my heart. Okay, as pastor, this is the greatest battle every day. Why is my heart so wicked? Please, please. You know what I'm learning, though? I'm learning this too. One of the signs of maturity is the increasing awareness of the reality of your own sin. God uses our awareness of our sinful nature to humble us. Imagine if we walked around, we never sinned. We'd be like, man, me and Jesus, we're like the same, man. Like, I'm amazing. I can do it all. But, but sin is not good. But sin is used in the sovereignty of God to humble us, to break us, to let us know how much we need Christ. And it also shows us that the more we're aware of our sin, the more we are actually growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is where Paul's at. Look at verse 20. So now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Paul's struggle. We're thankful that we can see passages like this and be blessed and encouraged. So listen, although our old self was crucified with Christ, our sinful nature continues to temporarily annoy us. But annoy is really the wrong word, isn't it? Because our flesh and sinful nature is at war within us. It, 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 it wants to bring us down. And so this is why the call of the believers, back to Romans 8 verse 13, is put to death the deeds of the body. An essential, a serious command. And this is why John Owen, in his several hundred-page book, can be summarized with verse 13. In this one phrase, he said, be killing sin, or it will be killing you. Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. Please understand, too, loved ones, that sin always aims for the highest possible devastation. This is the insight that Owen provides here too. Remember, if sin is left unchecked, if sin is unconfessed and allowed to run free, it will always turn into the highest degree of sin of that kind. Meaning, every lustful thought, if allowed, would turn into idolatry every time. Every thought of unbelief would run into atheism, if allowed. Every jealous thought would turn to murder. Every insecurity 
would lead to suicide if allowed. See, sin is never satisfied. The flesh never slows down. It will harden humans to their own ruin. Some of you might say, you're exaggerating. I say, read your Bible. Romans 8 verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. No wonder then Paul calls us to put to death the flesh. Again, verse 13. But if you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. See, the call is to kill the flesh. The subjects of that call are believers. Listen to what John Owen said about this. Take this. Receive this. Put your mindset upon this as well. The choicest believers who are assuredly free from the, con- from the condemning power of sin, ought yet to make it their business all their days to mortify, kill, the indwelling power of sin. His pastoral advice is all believers, the choicest believers who are alive in Christ, make it your business all the day to be seeking to kill the indwelling sin to mortify, to put to death the deeds of the body that you might live. I just want to point out in our lives we care about so many things, don't we? We, we care about our investments. We care about our children. We care, understandably, we care about our health. We care about our careers. We care so much about our reputations. We care about our education. We care about our physical bodies. I just had to ask you one question, though, but what about our souls? What about our souls? Just think, imagine we put the same amount of time as we do wherever, education, the gym, certain relationships, if we put the same amount of time into our souls, watching ourselves and understanding that we are at war within. The call of our lives is to kill the flesh. Now, if we stopped there, I would be doing you an incredibly awful disservice. If I left you right now and said, kill the flesh, kill the flesh, good luck, let me know how it goes, that would be treating you terribly scripturally and so um, unbiblical. Understand what verse 13, this is the turning point right now. Okay, now we come to the most important part. Point number two is this, okay? I'm called to kill the flesh, but point number two is my power is the Holy Spirit, okay? Somebody say amen. Okay, now listen, Romans 8, verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Here we go. But if by the Spirit, but if by the Spirit, but if by the Spirit, by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, let's consider again the power and impact of the Holy Spirit on our lives just seen in Romans chapter 8. Okay, let's study Together, again, you shouldn't have to turn our page, okay? Look at verse 6. Romans 8, verse 6. Notice, the Holy Spirit is our life and peace. Verse 9, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Verse 10, the Holy Spirit is our life. Verse 11, The Holy Spirit, as he raised Jesus Christ from the dead, has also raised us from the dead who has become our life. Verse 14, the Holy Spirit leads us, testifies that we are sons of God, leads us as children of God. Verse 15, 
The Holy Spirit becomes our spirit of adoption. Awesome. Verse 26. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us, prays for us, and helps us pray. Okay? Again, the bottom line. I've said this in different ways in different weeks. You've got to hear it every day we live. The bottom line is we can do nothing apart from the power of the Holy Spirit who is our life. We can do nothing. If our flesh is our greatest enemy, if sin is our greatest foe, ready? The only way to put to death the deeds of the body is by the Holy Spirit of God. So, so, false religions are built on the strength of man. That's why they fail. Because man can never produce the supernatural life change that only Father, Son, Holy Spirit can produce in us. The power that overcomes or defeats evil and the strength of sin within can only be overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. Chris Lungard, he wrote a book based on the book that John Owen wrote in Romans 8 verse 13, The Enemy Within it's called, and he uses a really good illustration in trying to defeat the flesh on our own. He says this, he likens it to um, a, a biology teacher who hands you a live wolverine and asks you to dissect it. He says, you can talk nicely to the wolverine. You can try to calm it down. Uh, you can do all sorts of things to try to get it to relax. But the, but the moment you intend to cut it open, he says, you're dead. The moment you try to cut open a live wolverine, you're dead. Here's a picture of Wolverine. You've seen these things? Whoa, man, look at that. Look at that. I mean, just look at that. They, 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 they just do not give up. And you try to take a scalpel to that guy? You, me, try to take a scalpel to our flesh on our own strength? We are also dead. Because our flesh resists any change for good of any kind. Our flesh hates good and loves sin. Our flesh hates prayer, loves apathy. Our flesh hates the word of God, loves the lust of men. Our flesh hates humility, loves pride. Our flesh hates faith in the Lord and loves the strength of humans. Our flesh solely feeds on the menu of sin. It has one appetite for one particular desire, and that is sin. Romans 8.13, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. So by the Spirit, by the Spirit. Check this first out. Second Thessalonians, uh, or First Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. But we always ought to give thanks to God for you, brothers. Watch this. Beloved by the Lord. Okay, watch what's happening, okay? Because God chose you. Such amazing theology in here. Because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved, okay? Now, how do we know we're saved? The rest of the verse explains it. Chosen by God to be saved. How do we know we're saved? Through sanctification by the Spirit. The way we know we're saved is we are being sanctified by the Spirit of God, notice, and belief in the truth because the Holy Spirit's the Spirit of truth who uses the Word of God, which is our truth, to see us be transformed by the truth to look like more like Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus Christ prayed to his Father, John 17, sanctify them in the truth, your Word is truth. 
But the proof of our salvation is we're being sanctified by the Spirit and belief in the truth. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. The power source for sanctification is from the Holy Spirit of God. That is why Charles Spurgeon again said, we heard last week, without the Holy Spirit, we are ships without wind, and we are branches without sap. Only the Holy Spirit, loved ones, can silence the flesh, starve the flesh, and shut down the flesh. It's as practical as when our sinful thoughts flood our mind. We, we cry out, Holy Spirit, would you, be my, would you be my light? It's the Holy Spirit that sends light that expels the darkness. It's the Holy Spirit that lights a fire that consumes lust. The Holy Spirit is the one who overcomes our flesh. And you know what happens here? What happens then, and by we're going to get to this passage in a couple of weeks, Galatians 5. We're going to walk through this, Lord willing, together verse by verse. But notice, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. So here's the key. Look right here, look right here. Walk by the Spirit, right? How do we walk by the Spirit? There's so many different ways and we'll get into this um, in a few weeks in much detail, but Walking by the Spirit is every day. If we are temples of the Holy Spirit of God, we must take the Holy Spirit with us, walk with Him, and allow Him to enter into every room in our house. Holy Spirit, I'm not isolating you to the front hall closet. You can't see anything else. Just stay there. Don't come near. I want the rest of my life to be mine. You can't do that. You are walking the Holy Spirit into the family room. Holy Spirit, all that happens here in the family room, my relationships, the things that are going on, the work that I might do, whatever, I invite you to have say in all the different aspects of what happens in the family room. Holy Spirit, I come into the kitchen. And right now, whatever goes on again, relationships, the things I think about, the things that I do, and the, what this represents, I invite you to take control and have say in this part of my life as well. Holy Spirit of God, I walk you up into my bedroom. And I give you full authority over what happens in places such as this that you might lead, that you might guide, that you might convict. Because Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you. And so I pray you will reign and you will be the one. I invite you into every corner and the closet that I'm terrified of opening. I go to that closet and I open it up despite the darkness and despite the skeletons that might be in there. Holy Spirit, I come and shine the light that you might free me from what's happening there, that I can see victory and know that only you can defeat the deeds of the body. Only you can take my flesh and pummel. Only you ultimately can allow me to see the victory I so much want, but my flesh within me is fighting everything against me that it might not happen. Holy Spirit of God, you must be everything in my life. I, I need you. I want you. Holy Spirit, I invite you with me on my computer, on my phone, every text, every image, every email, every website. Holy Spirit of God, please, would you walk with me because when I walk by the Spirit of God, when I pray to the Spirit of God, when I surrender to the Spirit of God, when I humble myself in the Spirit of God, when I confess my sins to the Spirit of God, then, then, I will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 
because only by the Holy Spirit of God can I see victory such as this. The Holy Spirit in sanctification. My calling is to kill the flesh. My power is the Holy Spirit. And let's wrap up with this. Number three, my promise is life. My promise is life. Romans 8 verse 13. If you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall, you will live. Live. The promise, the promise of life. Don't you hate sin? I hate sin. Why? Sin sucks the life right out of us. Sin steals our spiritual joy. Sin pollutes our lives, stains our minds, poisons our hearts. Sin brings chaos to our lives. But when we are led by the Holy Spirit of God, He brings peace, life, and joy, and love, simplicity, and unity. You know what's so interesting? Too many Christians live as though the Holy Spirit doesn't even exist. Too many professing Christians live as though the Holy Spirit is not real. That's got to change. The daily expectation, anticipation, the Spirit of God. Here's what one author asked this fascinating question. He asked this question. If God were to withdraw His Holy Spirit from me, would I even notice the difference? I mean, that is fascinating. Would I even notice? I pray the answer here in this place would be a desperate yes. If he withdrew the Spirit of God from me, I would fall to pieces because I'm so dependent upon him because the Spirit of God is life and without him, I will smell like death. And you know what? Right now, I'm getting emails from the beautiful people of this church that are coming in, testifying to, I've never thought about the Spirit of God more. I've never anticipated His work in my life more. I've never woke up with more expectation to see the Holy Spirit of God strengthening, empowering, moving, leading, teaching, blessing, filling with joy. I, I, I've never thought about Him more. And keep those emails coming way better than complaints. Keep, 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 keep them coming because it blesses uh, staff and elders and the leaders just know we just want so much to see God do what only He can do. It's the expectation that I'm changing because I'm focusing on Him, who the only one who can defeat my flesh, that I might live. And this is what the Holy Spirit does, doesn't He? He brings life, true life. This isn't going on some kind of new diet. This isn't experiencing some kind of New health regime. I feel vitality. We're not talking about that. We're talking about true life. What are the signs of life from the Holy Spirit? Here are some. Regeneration. That's a little bit of a big one. He brings strength. Colossians 1, that you may have strength and endurance. Wisdom. The Spirit of God searches even the depths of God. He brings life to me as I have wisdom. You know how important wisdom is in your life? Wisdom. <laughs> Wisdom, it just saves you from so much junk, so much pain, so much unnecessary heartache. The lack of wisdom that destroys marriages and families and lives in general, Holy Spirit brings wisdom, man. There's no teacher like him. The Holy Spirit brings worship, but be filled, Ephesians 5, but be filled with the Spirit, uh, singing songs and, and hymns and spiritual songs. 
filled with the Spirit, we sing, we worship. Be filled with the Spirit, the, the, the life that is found with gratitude, the joy that He brings. Be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks always. The Spirit of God creates gratitude within us. Have you been whining, moping, complaining, criticizing? Have you been seeing everything you don't? When the Spirit of God fills you, no matter where you are, what's happened, what's gone on in your life, you will be thankful. That's what He does. The Holy Spirit doesn't sin, so He doesn't mope and complain and feel sorry for Himself. He doesn't. So we're filled with Him. We don't do those things either. The Holy Spirit's our help. Learned that all last week. The Holy Spirit's our power. Read that today. Power, come on. So, so life. Look at life, 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 life. The world can't give you that. The world can't give you that. Holy Spirit can. If by the Spirit you put that in the body, you will live. You will live. The Holy Spirit promises life. The Holy Spirit promises life to those who look to Him right now. One little example that you can try this week. What would happen every week? I just love the fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love and joy and peace. And we could go on. If you woke up every day this week and you prayed, Holy Spirit of God, would you bear the fruit of love in my life? What happens if you would do that for every day until we met again next week? You woke up and you sincerely said, you know what the flesh does? Flesh says, flesh prays for vengeance. Flesh is like, wants people to suffer because they've wronged us. It's just so wicked. The Spirit of God, though, would you give me a love that I cannot create in myself, that I would be used to be such a blessing to the people around me? You win, loved ones. You win every single time when the Holy Spirit bears fruit through you. No wonder the Holy Spirit led the older man to walk up to D.L. Moody and say, young man, honor thy Holy Spirit or thou shalt break down. And no wonder the Holy Spirit has said to us today as a church, young man, young woman, whoever, honor the Holy Spirit or you shall break down too. But if by the Spirit you put to death deeds of the body, you shall live. Now listen, live, live. I ask you to be still. You shall live. What is true living? It's life. What is true life? Jesus Christ. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, where does he point us? Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is life. All of life is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. 